BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy. I'm your host, Eric Houston, along with co-hosts, sports business insider Darren Ravel, NHL great Theo Fleury. It's awesome to have the three of us back again. Coming off a pretty intense episode last time where we were talking about the suicide of Terry Badger, the young baseball player, 13 years old, and the topic mostly focused on bullying. Topic today, unfortunately, similarities in a lot of topics related to suicide coming from a different angle, coming from social media, coming from the algorithms that are getting fed to our children, coming off of the hearings that we saw just in late March with the CEO of TikTok. I want to play a video. It's going to be an audio that you'll all be able to hear that's really short. And I'm going to start it now. There's no escape. The only hope is the sweet relief from death. Whoa! You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I don't know how clearly everyone was able to hear that, but it's a cute character in the Mario movie that just came out. And it's a star is the character. It's a cartoon. It's swinging in a cage. And its line is, there's no escape. The only hope is the sweet release release of death. Relief, excuse me, of death. And I hear that. I didn't even notice this because I'm not a Mario follower. I certainly played Mario Brothers back in the day. I know Darren and Theo did as well. And I... I was sent that video by a mother who was just distraught because she wanted to bring her kid to the Mario movie and then saw that on, I just played that audio video off of TikTok. That is going viral on TikTok and it's being applauded as dark humor. And the backdrop is, you know, we had Dr. John Rosa share this. We have here in the U.S., If you're under 50 years of age, the number one reason to die in this country is an overdose. The number two reason is suicide. And we've got a character in a cute voice making a joke about the only hope is the sweet relief of death. I don't care if Luigi is feeling trapped in a dungeon and this is a cartoon. We got to ask ourselves, are these the messages we should be putting out there? So a little background more so now beyond just this video, what really brought this to our attention is there was a young gentleman, 16 years old, his name is Chase Nazca. He was a student at a school in Long Island. I'm going to be very transparent about it, though not giving the name of the school. You can look it up. It's a school that we recently, as same here, started working with. So we are now doing mental health programming with, with them a year after this child's death child died by suicide without getting graphic about it died around a train in long island by the long island railroad and chase's mom after chase passed her name is michelle she contacted tiktok contacted apple attempted to be able to break into her son's phone to see the messages that he was seeing to see if there was anything that was the precursor to his passing and neither company was helpful in giving him access, which, which is amazing to me. I don't know the laws and fairness Could have a, a, an attorney come on and talk about that, but that we have a child that dies by suicide. The family wants to find out more information and both companies are stonewalling them. So what does she do? She remembers that her email was one of the retrieval emails that were available on the forgot password feature. So she goes in and she puts in the forgot password and opens it up and is able to get in. Chase's For You feed, and I'm looking at Darren as I say this, I'm looking at Theo as I say this, For You on TikTok is like the Explore page on Instagram, is like all these different programs that have the 
if you're not looking for the people that you follow already and the content you asked to get already, what are we showing you that we think might be important to you? Here was the first video that came up. Quote, I'm caught in a life I didn't ask to be in. Okay. Messages that followed after that. My life is so pointless. Don't express your emotions. You're not a girl. I honestly don't know how much longer I can hold on. These are all separate messages from one another, but one after another that came up in Chase's For You page a year after. Wake up, okay? Get through the next week. Get through the next week. Get through the next week. Wake up again as if life is just Groundhog's Day and there's no meaning to it. Take the pain away. Death is a gift, says one of the videos. I'm going to put a shotgun in my mouth and blow the brains out of the back of my head. And then you hear a female voice say, cool. And Theo, I want to start with you. I've got a lot more to share beyond that. But that gives me chills in the worst way. When I hear that, because of how open you've been about your story in your house in New Mexico after your retirement and what thoughts and impulse error messages were running through your head at the time that led to a similar situation. So when you hear those messages and I built here, Theo, I built up to that point. I'm going to get I'm going to I set you up on that because it relates exactly to the situation you were in. Uh, just give me your feedback as someone who's been in those shoes, not as a teenager, as an adult. Well, I had some suicidal ideation while I was playing, you know, like driving around New York thinking, man, I should just drive off this bridge, you know? And it was like, just the thought came out of nowhere, right? But the day of my suicide attempt, you know, that that was it. I was just sitting on the couch and I could go, you know what? I don't really want to be here, right? Yep. And then that whole yep. that whole, whole action piece just took over. Bought a, bought a gun, bought bullets, came home, you know, I was, you know, sitting with a gun in my hand and a gun in my mouth, you know, ready to end my life. But wasn't because I wanted to die, but it was because I was living in emotional pain and suffering for, you know, the majority of my life. And I tried everything on the planet to get rid of this pain and suffering. And, you know, but ultimately, you know, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, I've been on this, you know, incredible, amazing healing journey. But at the same time, you know, thinking that, you know, our greatest tool, which is, you know, uh, connection through, uh, you know, through our devices is, is actually programming us to, to uh, get, it, get us into that, you know, headspace of, you know, everything's bad, nothing's good, you know, and then they just keep, they keep programming, right? You know, is, yeah. uh, you know, it's pretty scary stuff, you know, and, and but it's the old adage, you know, uh, uh, electronics and social media could be such an amazing tool, but on the other side of the coin, it could be our worst enemy, and that's basically, you know, what I heard you say at the beginning when you're introducing the show was, you know, this is how algorithms and AI and all of this stuff can be extremely uh, dangerous. Well, I, and I so, don't know if that was, and I don't know, and I don't know if that was, you know, what caused this kid to ultimately take his own life, but it definitely played a part. It definitely played, played a role for sure. Well, and we know, we know from countless examples of folks who've been on this show, from doctors that we speak to, 
suicide is not one factor related to one thing. It's a confluence of many things. You know, I look at the statistics of usage. There's 150 million Americans that use TikTok. Two thirds of teens use it every single day. So we have we have almost more people using TikTok than voting in our presidential election. And we have two thirds of wow. teens using it every single day. Now, the CDC reported, this is the last time they reported on the data that I could find, that more than 25% of teens have had suicidal ideations in 2021, okay? So as you hear Theo talk about that and Theo shares, I'm going to take some of his lines because I've heard it so many times because I know his story so well because of how close we are. He had a gun between his teeth, rattling between his teeth. Think as a parent right now to that image being fed to your child and that someone like Theo, before there were social media, that image came into his head on its own. The image of driving off the road came into his head on his own. In my case, as I've shared, the image of swallowing a bottle of pills came into my head on my own. These were all things before social media. And now you've got algorithms going to two-thirds of our teams, feeding them videos that are suggestive of those very things. You've got cartoon characters and cutesy voices that are suggestive of those very things being disguised as, quote, dark humor. We're going to get into the vindictive nature of maybe why these things are getting fed and 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 also some of the differences of how TikTok feeds that to folks here in the U.S. versus their parent company, ByteDance, and how they feed it in China. I want to throw to you, Darren. You've been on social media. What year did you get onto Twitter? And was Twitter your first social media channel that you got on? Yes, uh, I was on in, I, I was looking at it in November 2008. And I think I was on in March 2009. I think I was one of the first 10 journalists on. So let's, so, so 2007 is when the iPhone comes out. Right. Okay. 2008 is when this thing called Twitter, which I'm usually pretty good at picking up on when things are going to be trending and seeing the vision for it. I, 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 we've talked about this before, but let's openly talk about it. I looked at Twitter and I was like, I don't see how this thing's going to be successful. I can get a, a lot of, there was a lot of, to your credit or to your, like, don't just, <laughs> there, there were a lot of people saying, you know, why do I want to know what you're having for lunch? Right. And Twitter was invented at the time to be a communication tool from like an interpersonal, right. not the world. So it's not, it's not that crazy for me. And this is just a little sidebar. For me, it was about dissemination. But as you share that, Darren, as you share what it was meant for, what it was built for, whether it was Facebook. I mean, if you look at the what Facebook is, what Twitter is, what Instagram is, before we go to the other ones, like a TikTok, like a, you know, um, uh, different ones that are out there, like a Snapchat. You know, to your point, these were all invented at first because it was, I want to be able to show my parents. I want to be able to show my family. I want to be able to show my friends what I was doing today, what I ate for lunch, where I'm going on this vacation, right? And so Facebook at first was like, there's a lot of these things all in one place, pictures, text, uh, you know, videos eventually. And then the reason why the Twitter thing didn't make sense to me because it was like, oh, it's text only. If we're already getting it on Facebook, kind of why is, why is text only going to make sense and it's only interpersonal? And to your point, Darren, I don't think what people saw was that it was going to be this tool to be able to speak one to many in one place where Europe with with, about. Great, with great speed, right? With great as, speed. As as we as we have gotten busier and busier, the value of speed has gotten more important. Uh and 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 you know, in in the beginning, obviously, it was all about chronological order. When right. did you tweet it? And you would follow certain people, but you could choose not to follow people. And then, you know, over the years, the retweet button would be something that I think would change before really algorithms where someone who did not uniquely write something who you follow, 
who they just thought, you know, maybe there was something poignant about it, that would then enter your feed. And I think so slowly it became not a, your feed became less controllable. And, and, and then we go to the algorithm where it's like, you'll either see ads or see something else. Uh, a person who was following you saw something that maybe they didn't necessarily follow. I mean, the game of telephone became a lot more convoluted. Well, and let's be honest, the evolution of what these companies were about. Question is, did the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, did the Jack Dorseys of the world foresee the ability to first get people on and then once getting people on, to your point, Darren, about the retweet button and then about curating your feed the way that they wanted to curate your feed and then the concept of an algorithm and then the concept of the algorithm for the advertisers, was that something that they saw so far in the past when they first started this? And I have to think a piece of it was they saw it because what are you a media platform for? You're a media platform to get eyeballs. What do you get eyeballs for so that you can get advertisers? It's not such a far-fetched thing to believe this was on their roadmap and their radar screen. I don't know that they necessarily knew how strong their algorithms would be, but the concept of feeding certain content to people was always on their roadmap. Right, right. And and I want to get to the parenting part because I, I don't want to lose uh, what I was thinking about. Um, you know, uh, you had that image of the mother scrolling through and seeing all the messages and uh, I haven't even scratched the surface, but keep going. Yeah, no, no, no one's a, a perfect parent. But what me and my wife aim to do is at the end of the day, ask your ask our children about their day and make that a uh, everyday thing. Right. It's almost like the sliding scale that we have at same here, where every day you're checking in. How do you feel? 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 So that you get awareness of how you feel. You understand it. You understand you go from good to bad, and that's normal. In asking every day, there is an acknowledgement that, like my parents didn't ask every day, but for the most part, as long as I was playing with the friends that they knew I was playing with, no one was getting into my head. No one was speaking to me uh, who was not literally in front of me. Right. Uh, um, you know, besides watching a radio station or watching television, there was there was a controllable element in the 80s. There was a controllable element to parents being able to say, I know what my kid is doing in general. I know how my who's talking to my kid. I know the messages my kid is getting through. I, I'm laughing, Darren. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you keep going on that. But like for everyone who grew up in that era and then the kids who will listen to this who don't know what that era was like, you know, we had we didn't have DVRs. And so there were shows like Married with Children, right? And, and that your was parents the, are watching with you. Yeah, or 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 your parents are saying that's one of the shows you're not allowed yeah, watch. to watch. Right, exactly. Right? So, so the parents knew what time the show was coming on, and they were able to say, sorry, this is not one of the programs I'm comfortable with you having on. Right. Or with a movie, you literally either had to go to the movies or take the physical VCR, yep. put it in the one family VCR with the tape. And yep. so the parents could see everything. You're bringing and, back memories of, of well, are you allowed to, what, what is that movie rated? Is it rated R? We can't have you go see it if it's rated R, right? Like I, I remember trying to argue about being able to see Porky's because my, my cousin was in it. And, uh, and I think my dad was saying something like, well, she's like almost naked in it. You don't want to see that. Um, so shout out to Wendy Becker. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, yes. So so back then it was you don't know what a kid is thinking, but you know who is in front of them. And so that's why it's been important to me to ask my kids what happened today, because they could. And my daughter just has a phone now. My daughter doesn't carry her phone. She gets it at night and there's limits to it. But but what happened today will bring up a this person was talking about this and like they know about world events too right yeah. they know about 
Like, who was Harry Belafonte? Like, I wouldn't have known that unless I read the newspaper the next day or the teacher talked about it. Right. They can independently find all this out. So I think the way to parent has then become constantly checking in so that hopefully you can scrape something that the the kid has absorbed, was told, the algorithm got to them or whatever, and hope and pray that they will share it. Well, and that becomes the difficult thing in this because, you know, I, I've shared two posts. We've got a decent sized social media platform at same here underscore global for anyone who wants to follow it. And I see some of the reactions from folks. The second I put the word TikTok in the post or it was on the cover photo of, of the post that we put up, you had the TikTok defenders coming up immediately because they love being on the platform saying, this is dark humor. This is okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And then immediately zoom to the whole resist act, which I didn't even bring up, right? Where there's apparently some act being put into place or being voted on or being proposed that would ban TikTok, which doesn't sound like it's so bad, but at the same time, there's all these other restrictions that are coming along with it. They're going to take away rights from people that people are upset with. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's let's take that away for a second. And the reason I bring this part up is because some of those messages that I got for the folks who were defending what's going on with TikTok were saying to me, it's the parents' job to police what the kids see. Let's put the onus on the parents. Let's not put the onus on TikTok. And I wanted to just scream out the term bullshit, um, which you have to be careful of sometimes on social media because of who follows you. But parents definitely have a role in this, as Darren shared, but that doesn't mean that TikTok and these other social media companies don't have a huge role in this because they do. What was the video slash audio that I just played earlier? It was a cute star in a cartoon commercial in a popular video game that everyone who's a parent this age played themselves as well this being disguised with this message coming through as, quote, dark humor. That's extremely hard to police, and it's suggestive of the messages that Theo was talking about that were the very same messages he was getting without that stuff even being fed to him. So how do you expect a parent to just say, nope, can't see, unless you completely take the phone away from them, which, by the way, parents, if you try to do that, your kid's going to run to their friend's house and go on their phone with their friend. Okay, that's just the accessibility of what's around now. You cannot take it away 100%. You can manage it. And so the question then starts to come up, and we'll certainly get into this later, especially when Jen comes on. We have Dr. Jen Hartstein joining us in a little bit. We wanted to have more of the kind of advocates conversation about this. But the question comes up, what are these social media companies responsible for? Because it's got this Section 230 thing that's here in the U.S., Theo, I know you know about this topic with Section 230, where you know these these social media companies are not held responsible for what other people put on their platform. But you now have 200 lawsuits starting in 2022 from families against social media companies because of negative outcomes from things that have happened on social media to kids. And the argument from the lawyers, which to me is an extremely nuanced yet poignant and important and right angle of their argument is fine. You have 230 and you're not responsible for what other people post. Guess what? You create the algorithms. So you are responsible 
for what your tool that you create feeds to people purposely. And that needs to be the distinguishing point. And if we are going to hold anyone responsible, if our government's not going to do anything from a 230 perspective, I'm not a litigious person, but I don't know what else there is other than to go after these some of these companies for the algorithms that they have because they control what our kids are seeing per what I just shared with this example with this young boy, Chase. Theo, I mean, you, you're you on you're on Instagram maybe even more than Darren is with Twitter. You you post things mm-hmm. on there. I mean, and, and you live in the space of mental health. You're getting these things fed to you even as an adult. Am I right? Yeah, but my algorithm is way different than, you know, I get a lot more positive stuff on Instagram than I do negativity. So, um I don't know how, like, I, I'm not exactly sure how all that works, Sure, but, but, um, okay. So when you say, I'm not, so, I'm not, let's dive into that. I'm so not, when you say positive, right. And we got Dr. Jen joining us right now. Do you not mm-hmm. get advertisements and obviously positive versus negative can be two different things. Mm-hmm. So right. do you not get the ads in your scroll wheel for the, and maybe you don't cause you're in Canada for the for her and for him's solution to anxiety, where it's take Prozac, take Lexapro, take uh, Xanax, take whatever. No, one after the I, other. I get, I get, I get the more holistic approach. So, breathing exercises, meditations, you know, it's a lot more. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I, 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 and honestly, I don't know how that works. I, that's well, got to be a geographic. Well, I get the four hymns, just to confirm, Eric. I do get the four hymns, right? And 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 the four hymns scroll and Theo. It may be because the rules. So, for what we know, direct to consumer advertising from a farmer perspective happens in the U.S. and New Zealand. So it's technically yeah. illegal in other countries. So it may be geo-targeted based on where you're at. But I can tell mm-hmm. you, I go through Instagram stories, and the way the four hymns. Added advertisement is it's literally the same graphic. It's it's sickening to see as someone who took fifty different meds. You see the same graphic of the four hymns bottle. It says anxiety underneath, and then literally as you click each one, it says Prozac, Lexapro. Uh, uh, um, I'm, I'm mixing up some of the some of the the names because I haven't taken them in so long right now that I can't remember. Right. Them. But but there's there's this. And I share that, Theo, only because we're talking about the algorithms right now. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. more deeply the actual messages that come in. As Dr. Jen joined, joins us, you know, we were sharing, Dr. Jen, the the messages. You saw the Mario Brothers message. Mm-hmm. Of, There's no escape. The only hope is is the sweet it's relief. Death. Death, yeah, uh-huh. Right. You deal with children, adolescents, young adults. What does that do to the brain? when a child hears that and how is a child's brain different than an adult's brain? Because <laughs> Theo was saying as an adult that impacts him, mm-hmm. how does that impact the kid? Well, I think, you know, depending on the age of the kid, right? So anyway, hi guys, nice to see you before we jump into that. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, I think backing up to your question, Eric, I think there is an important component of how that impacts, right? Kids have, especially under 10 and probably really under seven, who this movie is really targeted for, tons of magical thinking. So like, while on some level they can understand that like cartoon characters die, almost every cartoon character that dies comes back. I think of like Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote, right? Like how many times did Wile E. Coyote get hit with an anvil on his head and magically the next scene he's up and running and chasing the Roadrunner again. So I think there's a big issue with just the imagery is that kids don't always understand that death is not final because what are they exposed to in that moment, right? It doesn't generalize to that. And so I think that that target audience of 10 and under, that's one of the big problems. And then what does it mean that like, it's, you know, the sweet end of death? Like, wh- like how are they processing that? Our parents, I think we as adults sometimes miss it because it kind of doesn't seem that important. And like, it kind of goes whizzing by ours. We're like, oh, that doesn't mean anything, no big deal but your kids might have caught it. And then are we talking to them about what it means and what's that impression? And is that really the only option? And and then, you know, for kids who are more prone 
to depression or anxiety? Does that become their primary outlet? And and I think we I see that in my office a lot, right? Well, that's why I bring that up because Theo, before you got on, was talking <laughs> about how thoughts of driving his car off the road had entered his mind. Thoughts of what happened with the gun sure. enters mind. And that was before there was ever social media and it was suggestive, right? Yeah. And so, Jen, when you throw out the number like seven years old to 10 years old, where my mind goes is, I start freaking out and going, holy shit, like we've been losing a lot of kids at nine years old, at eight years yep. old, the suicide. So even yep. though there's this cutesy aspect, and I I think I'm, I'm backing up your point here of, yeah, Wiley Coyote dies and then comes back. It's like, even in our cartoons back in the day, which Darren and I were joking about, like our parents used to be able to say, sorry, you can't watch that. And it was much easier to police as a parent. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, are the cartoons suggestive, but now we're getting into the algorithm piece of what is being fed to the kids. So I I was talking about this young boy, Chase, that we lost at 16 to suicide. And I shared some of the statistics before and some of the videos that he was fed. Now here's the positive piece, but that turned to negative. So when his mom got access to his phone, she saw 3,000 videos, obviously not exactly 3,000, but that's the number that they generally gave, that her son had bookmarked liked or saved or tagged as a favorite and she saw the terms that were related to each of those batman basketball weightlifting motivational speeches mm-hmm. and yet she saw what the algorithm had fed to him in terms of videos about depression hopelessness and death right welding instructor alex declare knows firsthand how vr training platforms like forge fx can help meet the demand for skilled workers anywhere you go look there's going to be a shortage of welders vr training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career the beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need explore more stories like alex's at meta.com metaverse impact As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Mm-hmm. And so it, it I, I'm telling you that as someone who I don't, I go on social media to post my stuff, right? I don't mm-hmm. scroll a lot. That's one of the things that I'm, I'm decent at holding myself is looking too much at other people's stuff. But when I go on and I post, I'm posting about topics like this. Mm-hmm. And then where I get caught up, and I've shared this with everyone, where I get pissed off is what the algorithm chooses to put in what is called Instagram, the explore page, which it sounds like I'm not an avid TikTok user, but in TikTok is the for you page, right? which is the suggestive, here's what would be popular to you pages, right? Here's things that, that maybe you weren't following that you now should take a look at. The, the business person in me gets pissed off and the advocate in me gets pissed off because I'm like, why are they choosing some to be promoted and not others to be promoted? Mm-hmm. And then the couple times that I look at that, even though I don't scroll because I wrote a positive message to Theo's point about positivity, I wrote a positive message about suicide, about overcoming, about mm-hmm. there being hope. But the word suicide was in there. My feed is filled with messages about suicide. Right. But you're also talking about suicide. So your phone's going to pick up on that. You're talking about the her for him stuff. So you're going to get more targeted at, right. We know that, like, I talked about something with somebody and one, and like the next time I looked at Instagram, like that ad came up, like, you know, I mean, we are in a 1984 of George Orwellian kind of timeframe in some ways, which is a different podcast and a different conversation, but like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, but it, but it exists. Right. And so we know you bring up two really important points, Eric. One is how are we monitoring all of this, right? Which needs to change. There needs to be focus. I have a lot of kids in my practice that are going to flip phones because it's really kind of fascinating. Cause they're like, I don't want 
I don't want this much access. Like I know I can't navigate this much access. I know it's really hard. And guess what? Flip phones still have, by the way, Snapchat and all of that stuff on there, but it's so much harder to use. They're like, Psh, I don't care. So I think some kids that I'm seeing are recognizing the limitations and they're walking away from it, which is like kind of awesome news. But while we're seeing this more now, I think about YouTube when YouTube was kind of the place all these kids were 10 years ago and there was targeted stuff about, you know, self-harm and all of that stuff. So it's been, this has been happening a lot. We are just more aware of it now, which is also great. And, and I think, you know, what do we do, right? How are parents well, so, so we're aware of it. You know, one of the things mm -hmm. I brought up, Jen, is that there's 200 lawsuits now against these social media companies. For there's a class. There's a class action lawsuit against Facebook happen about against Meta happening right now that one of I know two or three families that are clients of mine that are involved in it because they are because of bullying and the impact of bullying that happened on the social media platforms, on the mental health of the kids and the impact of that. And I think part of that is the statistics on mental health outcomes are getting worse. So people mm -hmm. are seeing how it's impacting. And let's be honest also, the talking about mental health and the normalization and the taking away the shame that I lost my child, I lost my family member to suicide is emboldening people to go, it's okay for me to be public about this case. I actually mm -hmm. want this to be what my purpose is in life to do something on behalf of my family member to make changes happen so that this doesn't happen to the kids down the road. And so here's, here comes, a, I'm gonna, this is a difficult question for this group because I'm friends with this group and I know everyone's take on things. Okay. I'm going to bring up a controversial topic and you guys can either punt, but it's not so <laughs> controversial. It's just, it's just directly, it's, it's indirectly related to this. So Elon Musk buys Twitter. Okay. The Twitter files come out. You guys might be in favor of believing everything that came out from the Twitter files. You might disagree with the thing from the Twitter files. As someone who tries to be in the middle when it comes to talking about this stuff publicly, the only thing that I glean from it that I think is hard to discount is that it does seem as though these social media companies have the ability to target certain messages. Let's just... Forget about which the messages are. They're able to target certain messages and say, we can let these messages zoom. We can dampen how far these messages go. If there's a collective belief, and you guys can each give your own opinions, if there's a belief either that they do have some control over these messages or they don't have control over these messages, how are we, as a government here in the United States, governments in other countries, not holding these social media companies responsible for policing this. And I'll give you one other statistic before you guys dive in. The head of mental health safety is his, is his title for TikTok says that there's 40,000 people that are employed by TikTok to monitor these types of videos and take them down. And yet there's a whistleblower from TikTok who's no longer working there who says, that's true. There are a lot of people doing that, but they don't have the ability to touch the algorithm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so think about the nuance there, right? There's people there to police it, but you're not allowed to touch the algorithm. That and what is the end of what the algorithm goes back to what Darren and I were talking about at the, at the beginning? You make advertising revenue when there's more eyeballs. Yeah, it's a business. So, so it's a business. So it, it's this balancing act. So I have to ask you guys, do you believe that these companies have the ability to dampen these messages? And are they making a, an active choice not to dampen these messages and maybe even do the opposite, amplify these messages because it keeps these kids on these devices, even though these messages could lead to the hardful outcomes? I, let me take this one. I, I, I think that there is elements of control. I can't believe that there would be, uh, listen, Elon Musk cut all these people, right? So like we saw the Twitter files. We saw that there was, you could choose what you want to put out or not. At the same time, I think it takes people to write programs, to understand things. Then he 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 whacks 80% of the Twitter staff, which I think to me seems like, yes, you've figured this out for advertisers. You figured this out because you want to be able to 
control things, but right now I don't know if there's enough people there to control everything. And so I don't, I think that a lot of this is a runaway train that they only get caught up in when there's a class action lawsuit. So, so there, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as premeditated as you think it is. Okay. So, so, I, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not saying anything that you haven't put out there publicly. I'm not saying anything that Theo hasn't put out there publicly. You take something and, and we don't have to, we don't have to dive into this topic. It's just an example of their ability to target. You take something like the Hunter laptop story. You see that there was an ability to suppress that story. So my question is, if there's an ability to suppress stories generally, we can move the Hunter thing away. If you believe that, Darren, you can tell me if you do or you don't. But if there's an ability to do that, that doesn't happen with people, Darren. That happens with programs, if you're able to do that. That but, happens with the, yeah, sorry, John. But Eric, people, I, I people, think people, 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 people write programs. Right. People write, okay. And I also think the news, I think you have to also look at kind of the cycles of all of this, right? So I've, I've been doing mental health media for 15 plus years. Getting a story on the news 15 years ago about suicide, self-harm, which the numbers were equally bad. I mean, they might be worse now, but if you really get into the right, research, in many ways, they're not worse. They are just more talked about, right? Yep. But 15 years ago, we didn't talk about it. Like if I could get a story about self-harm on NBC, I got three minutes, often cut down to two and a half. Now they're now on NBC News Daily, every day there is a mental health segment. Every day, which is hugely huge. I mean, yay, NBC, like, I want to applaud them up with the wazoo, but like, and we're talking about, you know, suicide on, on air in longer segments. We're having interviews with these people. So I think, I think there's, I hate to use this word this way, but this is how I always used to kind of think about it. Like, what's sexy about it, right? Like, mental health right now is sexy. And I say that not like in a good way. Like, sure. it's like, what's the news story? How can we exploit it a little bit? What can we do? How do we talk about it? So there's also money in that, right? And so I think that, that yes, could we change it? But the bigger benefit, this is the, it, we can talk about guns the same way. We can talk sure. like, what's the bigger benefit? I, Who I'm wins? Not, Jen, I, and think, I think that's I think the traditional media, traditional media, obviously is a whole nother conversation we can have. And, and we probably should have that for another segment and probably have you back just because of how deeply entrenched in it you are. Darren dove into the, Elon cutting 80%. Sure. So are there people there to do it? To which I call a little BS only because it seems like what's come out is whether you are in favor of the Bidens, whether you hate the Bidens, whether you're in favor of the Trump. It's a want need Trumps. argument, Eric. You're in a want need argument. But there but might if, we might need they, the change, but do people want the change? And that's the argument. But if I see messages like I read, it was a little before you came on. I yes, mm -hmm. I shared the Mario message, but the other messages that I read at the beginning were, you know, there's no hope. What's my purpose here? The life is, it feels like it's never ending, right? All these things that are just these negative, that's not educational around mental health. That's putting this, these negative terms into people's minds. Mm -hmm. And when I see those things, and so, so what came from that, Jen, was this woman got access, Michelle, the mother of the, of the child that died by suicide, who was on Capitol Hill for those TikTok hearings. And she saw on his For You page, he had all these videos, you know, I'm reading some of them again, my life is pointless. Don't express mm -hmm. your emotions. You're not a girl. Those are never the things that you as a media consultant for NBC would ever be saying in a, in a proactive way about mental health. So <laughs> when I see those things getting promoted over and over and over again, okay, I go, wow, like, how are they not saying, hey, we got to slow this down with what the kids are seeing from a negative standpoint related to mental health. And that's where if, and, and Theo's got to head out. And so this will be a different, you know, topic point than when Theo comes back. Cause I know he's got a very different angle on this, but from those Twitter files, what we saw it, we could believe it or not believe it. I'm not taking sides. I'm just trying to take the nuance of it is if there was an active decision that seem to be able to be coordinated between Facebook, between Twitter, between Google, between these companies that even if it was not done in a nefarious way, it was done in a, we believe this is unfair information to get out there because we haven't verified that the story is true. Those companies were able to take away messages related mm -hmm. to that story. 
So if we know they have the ability to take away messages, and yet we have kids dying of suicide at this rate, and these messages are getting fed to our kids, I don't see how we can be okay with that. They seem to have the tools. Theo, it seems like you're staying on. I don't know if you got something you want to add, but. No, I just want to, I, I, wherever there's greed, there's always evil, right? And these companies have made billions of dollars. Uh, you know, their egos have taken over and, you know, there's absolutely no reason why kids should be getting anything but positive messages. So is that the algorithm or is that people in the boardroom who are deciding this is the way we're going to do it, right? And and especially when we have, you know, the biggest epidemic on the planet is not COVID-19. The biggest epidemic on the planet is mental illness. And there's nothing that comes even close to that. So if they know that, and they're putting out these messages to kids, then I would say they're doing it on purpose. They're doing it on purpose. Because I know evil. I know evil. I know evil. Right? I've been around evil my whole entire life. So I recognize what evil is. Is, is, the, definition people, of evil, is the definition of evil in this case knowing that, like, I, I want to I parcel that down. Is it knowing that even in the face that these messages could cause harm because we're able to get kids to stay on longer, which increases our eyeballs for our advertisers, we're going to run it anyway. And, and yep. I just want to be clear in terms of what you're saying is, is the, is the yeah. thing. And I'm not saying I disagree yep. with that. I want to make sure that that's what, because, because, Pete, because, because the bottom, line, the bottom evil, line, there's a piece of evil bottom, you know, that people could be saying that you're alluding to, which I don't think you are, which is that, the executives want people to die and that they're 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 purposely putting in a message as opposed to the evil is i don't care about the cost benefit analysis if it makes us more money i'm going to feed them whatever they are going to is going to be sticky and they're going to stay on with well 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 they say that the ai is eventually going to take over has it already taken over you know that's the algorithms have they taken over right i don't know right but but the bottom line is we have people who are dying every minute of every hour of every day all over the planet. And instead of uh, recognizing the fact and go, how do we, how do we decrease people taking their own lives? And then we have a story that you came out with at the beginning of a 16 year old kid who has, his whole entire life ahead of him and he's thinking he's thinking about suicide and we're not doing anything about it we're just letting it happen instead social media could be an amazing positive platform for people but they're not doing anything about it so so, so i want so, jen to i want jen to chime in on what you just shared but i want to give one little piece of information that i found from the article from Bloomberg that I was reading about what happens in other countries. So yes, TikTok is owned by ByteDance, right? But there's mm -hmm. a company that also is the TikTok equivalent in China. And I forget the name of the company, I'll have to look it up and find it. But TikTok itself is actually not allowed in China, okay? So this other company that is allowed in China, there's two things in, in place here. There is a positivity algorithm that gets fed. And then if you're under the age of 14, your, sh your phone shuts off if you've been on TikTok for more than 40 minutes of the day. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. 
just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So, so when you hear that that's a possibility, right? And it's funny because Theo just left us because he had another appointment. Um, in some ways, in his patriotic slash libertarian slash conservative slash whatever conglomerate of things he would call it, he would say, well, maybe we don't do that because that's putting restrictions on things and we don't like restrictions. But then at the same time, it's like he's asking for restrictions, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's got to be – my thing is there's got to be some balance. What The the the, the law jam – and it, it, Jen, it takes it a little bit away from the traditional media side of things, which you sure. made me think of another another topic that we do need to discuss – that's that's the elephant in the room always is traditional media and social media. But this this particular episode is about social media. Is this the same thing that's happening with the gun issue where both sides are arguing we don't ever get anywhere, nothing changes. Both sides are arguing. Is the same thing that's happening with social media companies. We're yeah. bringing these executives to Capitol Hill. It's a House hearing of a XYZ committee within the House. They put on the dog and pony show. They yell at them. And then nothing changes. And they yep. claim that it's because of 230 and they can't take away 230. But what was brought up in these lawsuits is the hell with 230. Fine. They can't be penalized for what other people put on their channels. That's not their. But they I, I think where these lawsuits are going now, and maybe this is what you were talking about with Facebook. I don't know that class action suit is they should be held accountable for tools mm-hmm. that they build. In mm-hmm. terms of from the content that's put on, what are they feeding to kids? And when I hear that in China, there are these restrictions and there, there are these safeguards in place, you got to ask the question, why is that not happening here in the U.S.? Right. Well, I mean, I think that's always the question. Like, why <laughs> why, why is the U.S. not doing a lot of things? Um, right. But, I, you know, I, and I think it, it goes back to, you know, something Theo was saying, something you guys have said in other, you know, in other conversations we've had is like, what's the want versus what's the need, right? Like, you know, why do they want to make the change, right? If they're, are they losing enough people? Are they like, what's the motivation? And you would think kids dying is enough of a motivation. Well, we see that that's sadly not enough of a motivation in a lot of other areas, right? So like, it, what's, what, when's it like, bring it to the people, to the kind of change makers enough. And so people on the boots on the ground need to start making the change because, in a grassroots way, that's the only way we're going to create it. And I think that's the hard part is that like, why we all can, the three of us, and when Theo was here, we can all recognize all the reasons and give a fabulous list of why change should happen and why we see it and what the impact is and how it impacts mental health from all age standpoints and all of those pieces. But that's the, like, we see the need. How do we get people to want to make the change? And okay. I think that's so, so, always so the challenge here. In the same way, and I'll only use the gun example because it's, reminiscent of there's some parallels yeah of of things not changing is you know you all you've both been pretty open about your politics so i don't think it's anything like i'm bringing up something out that there's not much of a. I don't think you're shouting this out (laughs) okay so so there's not much of a change on gun laws because maybe there's a side of the aisle that is protective of the donors that they get from the the gun lobby the nra right okay in the same respect my question would be when we're saying we're screaming and we're losing kids that there's no change on the social media side of things. My question would be on both sides of the aisle, are there mm-hmm. reasons for non-action because the very companies that advertise on these social media channels, pharma being one of them are also supporters of whether it's over the table or under the table, the very people who would be holding these social media companies accountable and that's mm-hmm. the part that I can't, I, I just like, as a country, as people who are losing friends and daughters and mothers and sisters and family members, like, I look at these things and I go, is this not the greatest example of corruption that goes on, that industry works with our politicians, that even when it's the lives of the the most sensitive out there are kids who to the what theo was saying it broke my heart when he said it that this 16 year old boy had his whole life ahead of him when you hear it as an individual case as opposed to a number it really sinks in it hits home there it's like how is it possible that they're not being policed 
How is well, it one possible? of the one of the biggest things that I, everybody's like, well, when it hits people where you know for them, right? So right. like, who's one of the biggest supporters of suicide prevention, suicide research, this work, right? Jamie Rankin. Why? Because his son died of suicide. Like, so he's like behind it. He's pushing it. He wants to make change because it impacted him. So we kind of do this weird comparison to the to the gun lobbies and all of that space. There was a Senate baseball game where there was an open shooter and people got shot. Still no change. So like what like not in my backyard is one of the things I think that happens. I think there's a lot of like, well, it's not affecting me, so I don't need to make the change. I think that's true in a lot of social issues. Right. And I think mental health is still and this is why you have your organization and your podcast right is like still the area that people are like yeah 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 that's a you problem and i think that on social media we're changing it being a you problem and it being an us problem and it being a country problem and it being a worldwide problem but there is still a huge part of it that's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps peeps and make shit happen so and okay. that's the problem and, and i agree obviously obviously i agree with you on the mental health <laughs> and, speak, side of and speaking I'm, about mental health things i have to leave you in four minutes for a client yeah. so no of course <laughs> look i mean we're, we're gonna wrap this up soon but i go so you say sometimes it takes it happening to you personally you brought up jamie raskin left side mm -hmm. of the aisle he's talking about it more patrick kennedy has talked about it more mm -hmm. here's and then you also brought up the um, Steve Scalise shot on on the field um, in in the in the baseball game. He's on the right side of the aisle, and still nothing changes on on either either side. Because we just have confrontation. We don't have conversation. Yes. And until but we have that, conversation, so what that leads me to believe is even when they are impacted personally, mm -hmm. back to corporate greed, you can talk about it. But if your pockets are being lined, yep. Even when you're uh, personally impacted you're not put you you're you're publicly saying that you're pushing for change but how much are you actually pushing for change mm -hmm. and and that's the thing that is mind-boggling to me and if that needs to be what opens up everyone in this country's eyes and if you hear me saying it you i'm talking about both sides of the aisle i'm not pointing fingers to one way or the other i'm talking about the establishment of what happens in our country is there's motivation to not move that even when you as a public figure, as a politician, lose someone in your family to one of these factors that we just described, and it's mm -hmm. personal to you, and yet still, you're not getting committee members together to say, we need to change this. And the reason not is because if you go against the orthodoxy, you may not get reelected again, and you may not yep. make the money that you make. That's yep. amazing. That means we have the wrong friggin' people in office and we have the wrong system. Okay? Um, Eric, you're you're just realizing that. No, I'm not just realizing that, but I'm saying <laughs> it out loud because I want people I'm just to saying it. I want like I think to this is it. the argument we're all having right now, right? I, is, but, but but people need to and, hear and it I, over and over and again. As, well, and as much as Gen Z gets a really bad rap in a lot of ways, they are gonna make the change that you're talking about, right? They are seeing all of these things in how they impact them, in how um, the world is a dumpster fire and they don't want it to be a dumpster fire anymore. And so you're gonna have people working to create the change, right? That we are all as kind of the older generations, unfortunately we can all acknowledge that we want to be, you know, and Gen Z, like I look at my nephews and I look at my niece and I look at the things they're talking about wanting to do and they're 18 and 20, and I'm like, that's there's hope there. They get a bad rap for a lot of things that I agree and can acknowledge, but there is there is a determination to create the change that we are all talking about, but feeling helpless in. And I am hopeful about that because I think that we have to continue to encourage that growth within them because without that, we're stuck. And I think that's that's a major, major, major piece of this too. That we are all stuck. We're stuck in our ways and we're stuck in what we want and we're stuck. And the change is coming, but it's going to be painful to get there. It's and it, I know you got to head out, Jim. But it, mm -hmm. the, the change, sadly, to everyone out there, as we lose more and more people every day, as Theo says, it every minute, it's not going to yeah. be an overnight change. No. And this concept of mental health being sexy, sadly, being sexy, even though I'm in the space, right. even though you're in the space, is going to continue because our outcomes are going to continue to be bad because we have the wrong people in place and we have the wrong mm -hmm. solutions right now being promoted mm -hmm. until I hope you're right. That is Gen Z, but whatever the change is, if mm -hmm. we don't have change and, and you're going to laugh at this because you're saying, Oh, you just realize this. Now I said it on the politician side of things. I'm going to say it on the policy side of things right now. 
We are putting a square peg in a round hole, trying to fix people in a traditional way that we've tried to fix people for so long that doesn't work. And then we get more mass shootings, we get more suicides, we get more overdoses, and we wonder why. Yep. Unless there is change, I'm I'm literally like screaming from the rafters right now, hopefully so everyone hears me. Unless there is change to people and policy, you're not going to see those trends get better. You're only going to see them get worse. Yep, that is, I would agree with that. So I would agree I, with that. I, I hate that you as a, as a, you know, as a professional are agreeing with that, but you have to because it's reality, yeah. right? I wish, I yeah, wish you and, and so, so I can focus on where I can create the change and promote the change where I can, you know what I mean? And I think, I think small, small snowballs can, can roll into big, big giant boulders. Right. And so we have to, where we start, where we start, we just got to keep pushing. And I think that's, that's kind of the key to all of this. Yep. And on that note, I'm going to leave you both because yes. my client is in the waiting room. Thank you, Dr. Jen. Always a pleasure. You're nice to see you. You'll, you'll be on many times. Thank you so much. Anytime you call me, I'll be there. All right, Thank gang. You. Nice to see you, Darren. Bye. Bye. Darren, anything to close us out with? I mean, you, you, you're because. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm on, the, you know, you're on the side of, uh, you needed to convince me that the algorithm was locking you out of things. And for a couple of years, I was like, excuse my language, bullshit, Eric, you're kind of making this up. Uh, and then I kind of saw it and maybe I'm coming around to it more. I am not where you and Theo are, which is they've built these programs, it's robots, it's running on its own, but they built these programs to maximize everything and doesn't need any more people. I, I have to ask you this question then. Okay, you you clearly are a a a Democrat. Let's just use that term. Do, do you not recognize, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't publicly ever share which side I'm on. I try to hear both you and Theo share your different opinions. And then I talk with you guys individually as friends and you usually talk separately to each of you so I could hear your different takes so I could hear both sides of it. Do you not see that there was the ability to have a coordinated effort? Uh, and again, I'm not trying to say in a nefarious way, whether it was because they truly believed that it was unfair for it to get out there or because they were trying to unfairly help. I do, I, I, I do believe that, that there could be this coordinated effort. Yes, clearly. So then how do they not have the tools to stop this for suicide ideation with these with these messages? That I'm not happen? saying they don't have the tools to stop it. I think they can. I'm just saying that some of the things that are coming up, like the idea that they're making it, there's a difference between saying they don't have the tools to stop it and that they're making it more and more uh they're doing more and more to connect people to things that are negative. Well, I think you've been in media your whole life and you know, and you're, you have, you own a brand now, you know that media is based on CPM, right? Cost per million. Yes. Okay. And you know, I know I get the idea that you're saying that you are more gripped by something that, that it is in their best interest to grip you. And these things are gripping. I understand that. And, you know, maybe it takes the class action lawsuit. Maybe it takes hundreds of millions of dollars that you made in ads to then have to give back. Maybe that's what happened with the NFL and concussions and a, and a safer helmet wasn't going to come because the NFL didn't care until the settlements went down. But per perhaps that's what, what, what it will take here because if you believe as much as you believe uh, that the ad dollars and the cost per million and everything is running this, then the only thing that will take it away is, uh, hey guys, uh, do you realize we just lost 55% of what we made? And maybe we should not be doing that in the future. So, That's what, I'm, so what I'm, at, as, we, as we wrap here, what I'm advocating for is I'm so appreciative of the families like the Holinskys who've been open and shared their story of a family member lost to suicide. I want to encourage family members who have lost a family member to suicide to be open about it because there is no shame in it because it's a health outcome, okay? It's not a choice by itself in a vacuum. That's number one. The more we talk, the less shame there is. In there being less shame, if you believe there was culpability from these social media companies in what contributed 
to Darren's point, there's never one answer. To Theo's point, there's never one answer. But if it contributed because you see in what your loved one was fed that it was part of the contributing factors, pile on. If our leaders aren't doing anything, this is the only recourse that we have is to get involved in these lawsuits and go after these companies. And look, this is coming from someone who can be hurt as an organization because it'll take away any possible ad revenue that we can get. It'll take away more of our ability to get seen in search, which we're already getting suppressed on. I don't give a shit because I want to do what's right by people. Okay. And I'm going to continue to tout that and continue to talk about what's right by people because as an organization, the ethos of an organization and who we are, and Darren, you giving your time the way that you do, you don't do it for money. I don't do it for money. We do it because we want to help people. And so I, I hope people will hold hands in that. I hope that saving lives is more important than likes and follows. I don't care that our Instagram is 32,000 people instead of 3 million people right now because I don't talk about divisive things and don't glorify labels. I know I could get to that number if I did because I see the trends of how it happens. I'm not doing it because I think that splits society up more. So if you've got a story, share your story in your real way. Hold hands with other people who share their story. Don't be afraid to go after the very companies that you think may have contributed to some of the outcomes that have happened. Talk to that about family, friends who've been impacted in that way. If you like what you're seeing we're doing, I encourage you to please go to the uh, streaming locations where you can give us a five-star rating that enables us to get out wider. The higher ratings, the more that we're able to get out there and get these messages out. So really appreciate the support. And on behalf of Theo, on behalf of Darren, Dr. Jen, who joined us, this is Eric Houston, and you just listened to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy. We'll see you next week.